Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. the Chicago State of Mind. We are a Chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of Southside guys with an unapologetic Chicago bias. If this city could talk, it would say Chicago versus everybody. Hey, though, what's a good word, my guy? Man, good, friends. Another good day, baby. Well, it's hot as fuck outside, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, a couple days is going to be extremely hot, man, up in what, the 90s? The 90s, bro. My God, uh, the other day when I was at Hallis Hall covering uh, training camp, I was looking at those players. And I'm like, that's why they make the big bucks, man. I'm like, hey, no way. I was sitting in the bleachers like, man, it's hot as fuck. I'm over here chugging water. I ain't even doing nothing that I was fucking exhausted. <laughs> just sweating, bro. Just sitting there, just sweating, down, just coming down, down your face, man. That that heat, man, no joke. And then, you know how this in Hallis Hall, man, out there, praise that son of beans, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had I had a little visor on a dub. You should have saw that sucker when when I got to the car. That thing was drenched. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs> I am not surprised, man. When that heat come through here, man, it comes. It really does, man. But you know what? We're gonna enjoy this heat because we know in a couple months <laughs> we know what's coming. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I got no complaints, man. You right about that, man. That winter hit, it hits. <laughs> Yeah, fuck that one. I don't even want to think about it. So I, I hear you. But man, let's get into the show, man. Good to chop it up with you again. Audience, we are back. It's been a while. We hope you enjoyed our James Wade interview. The downloads for that shit was sick, eh, Dub? I was very, very happy with the with the listens on that one. We're gonna have some more stuff for y'all coming down the pipeline. Don't you worry. Yes, sir. I love it, man. A, a dope interview, bro. Dope interview. So those who missed it, hey. Take attention, take a, take a listen to that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love that, a Good call out. So, man, with that being said, man, I want to get into some content that we haven't talked about in a while on the show, and that's our Chicago Fire. Now, they're fighting for their playoff lives right now, A-Dub, but I wanted to give a little sh- a little salute and a little shout-out to, to Gabriel Gaga Salamina, man. A-Dub, this guy right here is a fucking prodigy, just a fucking phenomenal player, only 18 years old. And he agreed to a franchise record, $15 million transfer to Chelsea's FC. He's going to the big-time league, bro. Ooh, we securing the bag at that, friends. You know, I like him. <laughs> I like the guy, man. Very passionate. 
Got a lot of talent, plays with a lot of heart, man. I love him. You know, he's a he's a highlight guy, you ask me, man. But definitely a young, up-and-coming guy, man. Hey, that motherfucker going to be a superstar, bro. This is the thing. He signed with the Chicago Fire when he was only 14. Right. So this dude right here is the youngest player in Chicago history to sign with a club in a top-five European league. This man right here, bro, just expect to hear this name for another decade because he's only scratching the surface of his potential and he has been dominating out there, bro. He's been one of the few bright spots for the Chicago Fire team. That's one thing you enjoy about him. That young, that good. You're right, friends. It's only up even still at this point in his career. So I'm happy for him. I think he's going to bring a lot to the table. And this is the thing, man. He made his first start when he was 16 years old. So he's shown you that this he's built different. He was the youngest goalie in MLS history when he made his first start. And this season alone, this guy has 10 clean sheets. And he's going for the record, and I hope he gets there. And on top of that, A-Dub, he's on loan with the Chicago Fire for the rest of the season. So before he goes out there to move to London, hey, we still get to enjoy Gaga for the rest of the season. So I thought it was a win-win for both sides. It's a win-win, and let's finish strong, baby. Yeah, man, let's get into the playoffs, man. I know it's it's, it's looking kind of tough there, <laughs> but <laughs> they're not eliminated. They don't. They got a slight chance. Slight chance. They do, man. They do. They have the 10 seed right now, Perez, and can move up there a couple games behind, right? So if they can make some headways, Perez, they might get inch in there, man. So the door's still open. We'll take advantage of it. Yeah, the only thing that hurt was just last weekend, they hurt themselves because they didn't get those three points in that in that game. Um, that they tied, you know, and so my thing yeah. is they have to seize these opportunities to get these points. But to your point, tenth place right now, we'll see what happens. But honestly, I just been proud of how this team has kind of been resilient. They had a lot of fucking bullshit going on internally, and mm -hmm. they've been able to kind of fight through that. And so hopefully, you know, we'll see them down the stretch. You know, pick things up and still, you know, fight to to make it down the. I mean, I hope, A-Dub, that we still see them stay competitive and continue to fight and give the crowd a reason to continue to come out to the games. And that's the most important right there, Perez. Give the fans something to cheer for. And I think they can do that. But like you said, man, that Mars is very slim there, but there's hope. No, it definitely is, A-Dub, because and I was speaking last weekend, we were in Soldier Field covering that double header, so you had Chicago Fire, they played, you know, the first game. And then the back end of the game, you had the Chicago Red Stars who played the San Diego Wave. And now in that matchup, the San Diego Wave defeated the Red Stars and they actually jumped to the top of the standings with that win. That game right there, that was a tough one to see because it was very chippy, very physical game, bro. Right. Yeah, very physical game there, Perez. And, I mean, I I, I give props what props to do. That is a tough team, man. The Waves are very tough for his and uh, we, we hung in there. Um, I give Shaw credit with the goal that she, that she made, but man, it, it's just it's, it was a tough match, and that, that, also a good learning also for our, for um, for the team as well. So I mean, they're on the right track, dude. You talked about Shaw, seventeen year old. We, we we continue to keep talking about these young phenoms. Yep, that was her first ever pro game. Wow, <laughs> that just tells you. The talent level we talk about some of these young players for is they coming in ready, man. They, they like, and now to see them even that young playing and making them impact, that just speaks volume. And I, I just want to just say something too about the fact that Sheridan 
that save that she made on that corner kick that I thought was going in, I mean, that was a hell of a play to how she even got there. I mean, we talked about Gaga and his goaltending prowess, yeah. but I thought the Sheridan made a hell of a – that was, like, to me, the play of the game because that was a really opportune scoring opportunity for – that was a real big-time scoring opportunity for the Red Star. Yeah, that was a chance to get, to, to get a shot, friends, and, you know, did work out, right? But you got to credit good defense, right? And that's what it came down to. But as I was mentioning earlier, man, there were a lot of, like, hard tackles in this game, a lot of physical play. We saw a lot of players down on the grass. It was just one of those nights, and you could just tell that both teams were in it. They wanted that win, and, and, the, and the Red Stars, to their credit, they did not go down easy. They were charging. They right. won the attack. The second half of that match, they were going for it. And I really, really think that down the stretch, this team, this game, they're going to learn from it. Yep. They'll be better for it, you know, going down the road. Absolutely, Perez. I'm totally with you on that part, man. I think it's going to help this team continue to build up. And, um, yeah, man, very good game. Like you said, hard fought out game. Definitely going to need some icy hot at the end of the day. <laughs> some cold baths or whatever, man. Because, I mean, that physical game can take a toll, baby. Yeah, but now next up, though, we have Gotham FC on Sunday. You and I will be there in the building covering that game. And that game right there, hopefully we get some home cooking. You know, Soldier Field wasn't good to the ladies. So hopefully coming back to Seat Geek, things will kind of feel good for them. Because yeah. I'll tell you one thing, brother. Our Chicago Red Stars, this is a team right here that went very far in the playoffs last year. They have a lot of good talent on this team. Mallory Pugh, fucking yeah. just a sniper out there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm really looking forward to this game on Sunday, man. Yes, sir, Perez. See how they bounce back. And, um, hey, the Red Stars, like Perez is saying, good team. They have a very good team as well. So, hey, look, they on the rise, baby. They did a lot of good things last year, like Perez is moving to. So, hey, don't sleep on the team, man. They still got a shot. And another thing to think about, too, with the Gotham, with Gotham FC coming to hey, A-Dub, the Chicago Red Stars and Gotham FC were founding members of the, the National Women's Soccer League. So they got a very long history. So that's why I'm really looking forward to this game. Now, I know Gotham FC season hasn't gone like people thought it was going to go, but I'm still – I love these matchups of teams that have tradition and also have like yeah. a little bit of a rivalry. I love that shit. And sometimes if you have a rivalry going on, Perez, no matter what the record is, you want to put on a good show, right? You know, because you understand the history. But I will say this. The Red Stars got a tough schedule ahead of them because after this home tilt, they got four straight road games. So they're going to get some home cooking, and they're going to be out there on the road for a while. <laughs> Take advantage of that home cooking, then. But I hope that they get that W on, on, on Sunday, Doug, because – it's going to keep us near the top of the uh, conversation there as far as the top of the standings. Yeah. And it's going to give us some good vibes heading on the road. So I'm just looking forward to seeing how everything plays out. Absolutely. Get that home win. Take that momentum over to the next game. Yes, sir. Well, man, speaking of momentum, our first place in the standings, Chicago Sky. Audience, <laughs> you know how we feel about these, this team. We love them. Now, Courtney Vandersloot last weekend, Moved into third place in WNBA history and assists. And A-Dub, I got something to say to the audience real quick. I am kind of sick and tired of the disrespect that Courtney Vandersloot gets out here in these streets. This woman is criminally underrated. And I'm not just saying from the fans. I think the media needs to do a better job of covering her. 
She is the best point guard in the entire WNBA. She is a legend. She doesn't get talked about enough, in my opinion. You hit it right on the head, Fred. She doesn't. I mean, you talk about the purity of a point guard. She is that. I mean, we've seen her, Fred, and you and I cover a lot of the Sky games, right? We get to see her all the time. But, man, it's, it's a joy to watch her play when you see her out there, floor general, the way she throws dimes. It's like this lady can flat out ball. The way she takes over games that you have seen, you and I have seen as well, Fred. You, you can't fall asleep on somebody like that. And you're right. She has not gotten the respect that she deserves. She should be talked about like some of the other great players who played the game. Exactly. Exactly. So I just want to challenge mainstream media, independent media. Put this young lady on your radar. She deserves it. She's going to, when it's all said and done, A-Dub, she's probably going to go down as probably one of the best play guards in the, in the history of this league. Not just right now, but I think right. long term. And she was very complimentary about Lindsey Whalen, who she passed for third place in assists. She said Lindsey was one of her favorite players of all time. So that also mm -hmm. shows you that she appreciates history and she paid homage to another legend of the game. She has tremendous respect for the game and those before her. And that's dope in itself. But hey, we salute you over here, Chicago State of Mind. Salute. We know what it is over here. We need other people to get on board. You know what I mean? And I like what you just said right there, Press. Others got to get on board. But all they got to do is tune into the games, baby, and see for yourself. Shit, tune in, show up, get out there, get involved. Because this team right here, man, A-Dub, two home games left in, this, in, in, in the regular season. We got the playoffs on deck. I mean, brother, this is an exciting time. I don't know about you, but I'm fired up, bro. Press, I'm fired up, man. This team going to go for a repeat, baby. When the last time we said that, right? It's been, it's, been, it's been a minute, ain't done. It's been a minute. Yeah, man. It sounded good when it came off you, when it rolled off your tongue, when you said repeat. I was like, ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, man, we own something good here. And the thing is, friends, you talked a lot about this every time we have a show about how great of a product the Chicago Sky team really is. And we got stars, we get it all, bro. We got all the ingredients to repeat, man. And if you have not been tuning in and watching these plays play, you're missing out. So it's a lot of great things about this team that you enjoy watching when it comes to basketball. No, and, and that's facts. It's beautiful basketball. I mean, we don't get into the game that they had on Friday night, but I, I, we got to talk about that Wings game first because that's that game right there. <laughs> Ooh, we, 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 we kind of laid an egg that one because we got to think about it, man. Going into this matchup, and this is my fault. It might, might have been the press jinx, but I, I sat down at the media room and one of the guys was like, hey, Enrique, she's going to be out of the game with an ankle injury. And I, I, I whispered to him, I was like, easy, dub. So it's my fault, y'all, because I underestimated this Dallas Wings team, and we know they're tough. Marina Mabry ain't up. Bucket. 26 points in the game. McCown went down in the post, 20 and 12. Candace couldn't do nothing with her. You know I love you, CP3. But listen, McCowan, 6'7", what can you do against that? Ain't nothing you can do about that 6'7", big body down there, man. McCowan's playing big, and nothing CP3 can do, especially if CP3 just coming back as well for us. So right. it was like a bad, tough matchup at that time, you know? Yeah, it was, A-Dub, but I, I would say this, man. Not only was just her down low getting positioned but the work that she did on the boards, True. the cutting that the Wings were doing, it seemed like all they were doing was just getting to the basket and getting those easy looks underneath. I was just wondering, 
where was our perimeter defense in this game? Now, what we did see in this matchup, A-Dub, was that Coach Wade decided to close the game out with Azaray, and Candace was on the bench in the fourth quarter. And I asked him about that in the presser, and he basically said, look, he said, I was going with the matchups. The matchups dictated that, hey, Z was basically, she was up, she was having a really good game, and I rolled through hot hand. And another thing that was interesting about that ball game, A-Dub, was Z scored all the points off the bench for that night. They had 14 bench points. Z scored all 14. Man, Z, to me, friends, was a game changer. Because you made a point. Our energy was kind of like low in that game, right? Wouldn't have nothing going on. Nope. But here goes Z coming in, right? Doing her thing. Getting blocks. Trying to get steals and all that stuff. I'm like, she's doing all the dirty work. I mean, she's in the paint balling. Unlike, you know, Candace Parker was having a tough night. But Z yeah. was on the other hand. Balling out, man. I said, hey, she is making a difference in this game. So it was cool to see Wade stay with her. And, and I have no issue with it whatsoever because it was working. And as you know, the sky came back in the game. Couldn't finish it off, but came back. Yeah, it just, you know, and, and that game right there, it just annoyed me. And I'm sure Coach was annoyed too because it, <laughs> it, it snapped our 10-game home winning streak, which was a franchise record for them. You know what I mean? Yep. And at the time... We had like a one-game lead over the Aces for the, the top spot in the, uh, in the league standards, A-Dub. So it was just a lot of things. I'm sitting over here like, hey, we can't be blowing these type of games now. We, we got to win these. But yeah. the Wings helped themselves out because with that win, they moved up in the playoff standards. And I'll tell you one thing, brother. That Wings team is going to be a dangerous team for anybody to play in the playoffs. I mean, we ain't going to duck no smoke here. We'll take right. whoever. But I'm saying that <laughs> Wings team, A-Dub, they're tough. They are tough, man. They're a handful. And they play grimy. They play hard. They play both ends of the floor. I mean, they know they know um, slouch team, man. They come with it. So whoever plays them, like you say, Prince, it's going to be a tough out. <laughs> they not going out quietly. <laughs> no way. No <laughs> fucking way. No. Nah, and when, when you can basically beat the top team of the league without your top score, like that says a lot about your team. That says a lot about your DNA. That shows a lot about the that shows a lot about the belief that each one of those ladies have in each other. Because they yep. weren't sweating the fact that their top scorer was down. Next, next woman up mentality. Let's go. Yep. And that's how they played. Perez, like, okay, we lost somebody. Let's go out and finish the job. And they all came together, man, and got the job done. But I want to piggyback on something you said, though, Perez, when you talked about you being the reason why we, we took an L, man. Yeah, you were the reason we took an L. <laughs> you took an easy victory. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I can't let that go, bro. I'm sorry. It's all good. That's listen. I listen. I call. I call the foul on myself. Aw, you you are, you all good. Listen. Yeah, I, absolutely. All these y'all would have never known that. I told y'all. See, I'm a stand up guy. I threw my own stuff out of the bus on that one. But I guarantee I won't I say won't that shit you. again. <laughs> but and, yeah, our ladies didn't come out good. with either. We didn't play either, for instance, what we should have done as well as a team, right? There's a lot that I saw even from the Sky team that I was disappointed in, probably Coach Wade as well. I mean, he was disappointed in the fact that the team didn't have any good space in Perez. We didn't have no energy. We weren't cutting or anything like that, Perez. We didn't actually play a good game at all. I mean, I salute the Wings for doing their job, but look at the Sky, you can tell we weren't ourselves that game either. No, they weren't. They didn't play like themselves. As I mentioned with the bench, you didn't get that usual bench production. So yep. it was just a lot of things about them. They were just out of sorts. But we had the game against the Mystics on Friday, and we saw our Chicago Sky team that looked like the damn defending champion. Like, for me, when I looked at this game, I thought this was the most complete game that we've seen these ladies play all season. 
man, you ain't lying, friends. They look very sharp. I mean, it looks like they felt like, you know what, last game we let one slip away. And they came out just firing out on all cylinders, man, after the first couple minutes. They just got it pulled together and just went on a, went on a nice little run, man, just making baskets. And I think this team brought the energy. They brought the defense. They were locked in, friends. They played no games. No, nah, it was it was really good. It was really good. I mean, Elena Deladon, she was out resting. You know, she's been dealing with, with back issues for, you know, the most of this season and probably, you know, the last couple of years, but so she didn't make the trip, but it is game. I mean, we got out to a good start. I was really impressed by what I saw in a Kalia. Obviously that's the MVP. I mean, nothing yeah. to surprise us when we see what she does, but the fact that Kalia, Allie Quigley, our guards looked really damn good against that Mystics perimeter defense. And that Mystics defense is a really good defensive unit. Yeah, absolutely. Press. And we, Kind of brought it forward on the man. Uh, I even like how your girl Rebecca Gardner kind of came in there, man, playing a pivotal part with it too, with her defense and also leading to offensive buckets. So it's like, man, this team, <laughs> our guards, how they play, the wings as well, they play tough. Mm -hmm. But when I spoke about Ali Quigley for a second, and yeah, she scored 18 points. I don't think enough people talk about Ali Quigley, what she does. To keep, I mean, to, I don't think enough people talk A-Dub about what Allie Quigley does running that offense, opening opportunities for other people, the way she screens, the way she cuts. She does things within the offense that a lot of times don't go on the stat sheet. But I think that she's very underrated in the fact of how she's always moving. Such a great player. The things that she does to open up the game and open up the court and open up the floor for her teammates, a lot of that no one ever talks about. But it's something that I always notice when I see her out there on the floor. Absolutely, Press. She does all those things you mentioned, Press. And she's a very good ball handler, too, Press. She makes good passes as well, you know, along with setting good screens and all that good stuff and cutting. It's like, man, she's actually a very good ball player. And you talk about this team sharing the ball a lot. She's a big part of that, pivotal part of that, when you talk about sharing the ball. Yes, sir. Well, after that win, brother, we tied a franchise record, 24th win of the season. We got the Connecticut Sun coming up. <laughs> it's going to be another tough one, friends. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, man, because that game last weekend that we had with them was pretty fire. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know what I enjoyed, though, friends, about all this is happening these last few games is that even though they've already clinched the playoff spot, they're still playing hard. Like, they're not taking any feet off the gas. None of these teams, really. They're still playing hard, man. Man. And, and you know what? Another thing, too, while we're talking about this team, I've just been really happy with the turnout. The crowds have been electric. That environment at Wintrust, man, when you're sitting at that media table and you have fans, like kids that are just into the game and yelling and screaming for two hours. Now, some people be like, oh, man, that's annoying. But for me, I sit there and I'm like, I get so locked into the game that I'm tuning out all that shit. But I'm telling you, those crowds have been electric, A-Dub. And you know that. You've been in Wintrust. You know how that place rocks. And I'm so excited for the playoffs because that place, it better not be empty seats in there. But I'm telling you, that place right there, ooh, it's going to be the roof on that motherfucker, boy. It's going to go up. <laughs> you got me all excited, friends. You, you we keep talking about this, man. I get more and more excited when you bring up certain things, especially the fan base. Now that people are seeing what they can do, they understand the sky how how great of a team they really are, and the fact the fan base is actually showing up that crowd 
I mean, it just makes more of an electric moment right there, man. It's something that's going down in the record books down the road. People gonna think about, say, man, that Chicago Sky team, that team was dope. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we talked about the things that have made us happy here in the last five to ten minutes of the show. Now I got to talk about some things that have been frustrating to me, Dub. <laughs> My Chicago White Sox, man. So the trade deadline has come and gone. And I'm really disappointed. I'm going I'm to sit here and say that, man. I know Rick Hahn, he went on the media trail, and he was talking about how he had higher expectations for the team at the trade deadline, and they couldn't get things done. Well, we've had higher expectations for you guys all season, bro. Right. And we've underperformed. Now, I thought they were going to be buyers. I There's so many parts of this team that I'm like, hey, we need to improve here at this position. We need to improve there. I'm thinking, okay, Rick Hahn's going to get it done. He's going to get it done. He didn't do shit. <laughs> no, he didn't do nothing, man. And I was shocked, too, because I thought you all were going to, you know, improve the team, right? Like, okay, the White Sox, they struggle a little bit. And sometimes you need a piece or two for us that, that motivate the team and get you over the hump, right? To not do anything to that level, it was like, man, I'm kind of disappointed. I thought they would be aggressive. I thought some of that old Kenny would come out. Because, you know, Kenny's always aggressive, right? He used to be. Uh, I thought Rick was going to, you know, get some of that in him and just go for it. But you all ain't do nothing, man. So it's kind of yeah. sucking the one. Well, that's the thing. See, Rick Hahn gets a lot of credit that, in my opinion, he doesn't necessarily deserve because Kenny got a lot of the hate and a lot of the blame. Because I ain't going to lie. Some of Kenny's deals, I'm like, all right, Kenny, relax. But Kenny built that World Series winning team. Now, I'm not going to try to sit here and be talking about something that happened in 20. 2005. But the reason why I make that comment is that I feel like Rick Hahn gets so much credit. But when are we going to start to like look at this situation and realize, Rick, what are you doing? Now, some right. people may say, well, Prez, he got Deacon from the Red Sox. Cool. We got to relieve him. We got way <laughs> more issues on this ball club. That's one little potential thing. We got other things on this team that we need to clean up. And he did nothing. No, he did absolutely nothing on that part, Perez. And um, you're right. There's bigger things to talk about, you know, with the White Sox then getting someone, you know, as a relief pitcher. You got to do better than that, that to get the hump. I mean, playing near 500 and getting the relief pitcher is just not enough. You need more than that to get further. I understand you all had injuries and all that stuff, you know, but at the end of the day, Perez, you need consistency with the team overall, right? And you got somebody out there that you could have brought on board, could have traded for, and you didn't do it, that can also hurt because we don't know how this season is going to end up. I understand you all still independent race phrase. I get that. But man, if, if if the twins take off, bro, you know, and I don't, I'm not saying they would, they won't, you know, but they've actually done some things to improve their team. So if they do take off, you will understand why that you all didn't make any moves to help this team go forward. Yeah, I think that it had more to do with the fact that you have more teams that are in the hunt right now. So there's a lot of competition out there for people trying to improve their ball clubs. Also, the White Sox have one of the most depleted farm systems in MLB. That's because when we rebuilt, all those guys got promoted. True. So right now, the Sox don't have a lot of prospects to offer. So that's tough. Because last year, we saw that they were aggressive at the deadline. Kimbrell, Tapera. But then we had to give up Nick Magical, Cody Hire. So, you know, when you give up guys like that with an already depleted farm system, you're not going to have a lot of stuff in the cupboard. And I think that that's the situation that Rick Hahn's in right now. Well, it's all could be it. For sure. But at the end of the day, you all still got a good team still, right? Still got a good team on paper. 
It's all about what they do to execute right moving forward. So I think so far the last 15, 10, 15 games, you've all been getting better and playing better. So maybe this may not be too much of a detriment. It all depends on how this season shape up the rest of it, right? So we'll see how it go before I really throw Raycon on the bus. Yeah, well, I'm already throwing him under the bus. Tony Russo, I'm throwing him under the bus. I've been saying <laughs> things consistently about this man for two seasons now. I mean, come on, man. This now that now we see this man sleeping in the damn dugout. Like, bro, <laughs> take you a goddamn nap before the game. Listen, I know about old man naps. Sometimes they're necessary. We getting up there. It's okay to take a little afternoon nap. Well, come on, bro. You a pro, Tony. You can't be in the dugout napping and nodding off and dozing and shit. What's going on? <laughs> he dozing off in the first inning, man. I'm like. Like, oh, early, early? I'm like, the game ain't kicked off yet, man. <laughs> and, <laughs> and y'all are like, you're tired, man. Drink a Red Bull or something, bro. You can't drink some coffee. I don't care what you do. Don't, <laughs> don't look like that, man, on, t- on the camera, man. It look ugly, friends. And you know what was interesting about that, too? Steve Stone is out here defending Tony LaRusso. And I'm like, boy, Steve Stone, I, I get what you're trying to say, man. But fuck that. <laughs> right, A-Dub's here. Have yourself a cup of coffee. Get some caffeine in you, bro. Do something. Right. Do something, man. It, just, it was a bad look. And like I said before, you know where your team is at right now, Chris. Trying to, you know, win a pennant and all that stuff. You can't have the manager over that, man. Those, no, bro. It ain't the time, bro. Gotta be locked in, man. See? And that's the thing. This team have been fucking sleepwalking through the damn season. The manager <laughs> over here fucking nodding off. Like, what is wrong with this guy? Come on, bro. The stars are now ring a bell now, Fresh. You're bringing up something now. You say sleepwalking. Now we got a, a view of it with Tony LaRusso's. It's, it's ridiculous. That's what it is. I mean, this team, we're in third place in the season that we thought that we were going to be basically a juggernaut in this division. Right. You know what I'm saying? Three and a half games out of the after the lead for the AL Central. So, like you mentioned earlier, still in the hunt, still in the chase there. But it's a far cry from when we went into this season with these high hopes. I mean, people were predicted 90% chance that the White Sox go to the postseason before the season started. It ain't no 90% no more. <laughs> That's a change. I, I, I swear, Perez, I thought this team would be better. I didn't think you all be somewhere near 500 fighting in that, in that ramp, man. I'm like, man, this team is too talented to be that way. And I felt last season, right, and you and I talk a lot about this, Perez, that – I felt the team bailed out Tony La Russa last year by playing so well. Right. And now this season's like, you know what? Tony La Russa really is not a great manager, man. It's like it's all coming out because now the team is struggling or has struggled a little bit. He has not found a way to help this team get out of it, right, Perez, in many ways. So, yeah, I still like this team, like what you all have on roster. But it's like, man, 500, like you said, Perez, you all should be way better than that, man. Way better. And, you know – as you're talking through some of those things, if, if I could just look back and I and, and just do a quick analysis of the season, I mean, you got to look at the ERAs for the pitches stat. That's been problematic. <laughs> <laughs> the batters haven't been selective enough. They're always chasing up there at the plate. That's true. Home record. I mean, come on now, at home? Oof. We have not done a really good job of protecting that home field. There's a lot of things that we talk about. So I know people are going to sit here and say, oh, the lazy narrative is for you guys to go after Tony. Okay, fine. So did you tell me what the problem is? A right. roster that's filled with core players. What's going on? 
And we had players that we heard, right, Perez, who weren't even playing at 100%, right? When some of the Russo had players out there playing still, I'm like, dang, that ain't even 100 Some of these guys played 100% and they out there still going. I'm like, you can run the risk of these guys getting hurt again, you know, or can miss the entire season if they out there playing hurt. So it's like, this whole thing, man, <laughs> this whole year, Perez, hasn't been good at all for the White Sox. It's based upon those expectations that everyone has for this team, how it all has unfolded. This is becoming a little bit of a disaster for Perez in many ways. But to Tony LaRusso's credit, I don't know how he's done it. His players still have backed him publicly. I mean, you saw where Liam Hendricks went out and said, you have to remember why he's a Hall of Famer. And so I know you mentioned a second ago that you didn't think he's a good manager. I don't agree with that point, A-Dub. What I would say is he's underperformed and the game has probably passed him by. But I mean, he's got a Hall of Fame. He's got Hall of Fame credentials. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to dispute that part. But I'm saying from what I've seen here in Chicago, I haven't been right. impressed. His career-wise, before he got with the Sox, you're right. So probably all good stellar. But on this team, I ain't seen nothing impressive on this team, man, with the White Sox. I, the last couple, last year and this year, I don't know, man. Tony La Russa just don't look <laughs> like the Tony La Russa of old. And A's could be a factor. I hate to throw it out there, though. You know, he's gotten older and things of that nature, too, Perez. Imagine baseball. And there's so many aspects of baseball that you got to these games. And it's a lot of games you got to manage through. So it's tough, man. It really is. And I, I'm just not so sure if your boy Tony La Russa can continue to handle this. Well, I mean, he's he's a part of the problem. And I, like I said, wake up, Tony. This team, y'all need to wake up because there's been a lot of shit. Like, I talked about chasing these bad pitches. The defense has been awful. <laughs> awful, man. I there's agree. been a lot of shit, man. I'm just like, damn. I mean, but we finally got Eloy back. I, I love to see that. He's playing, you know, he's playing ball right now. Um, Yasmani, he, he's, he's slated to come back soon. I've been happy with what we see out of Johnny Cueto. I thought he's been pretty good. Joe Kelly has not been. It's just been a lot of like little things that have just been going on where I'm just kind of like, eh. I don't know, you know. Yeah, that's what makes more for a, a 500 team when you got so many things happening um, that's not so good. But the good thing, the flip side of it is that you're right. People are still fighting for Tony LaRusso, the team. They're going to do that. Um, there are players in the locker room who are still fighting for each other as well. So you start to see some things, some positive things happening with the team. Luis Roberts, of course, your boy Abreu. It's like things are still happening well. So hopefully they can go on a nice little streak, Perez. You never know, can probably win the pennant. Well, yeah, and I love that you just called out my boy Jose Abreu because it's August. August Abreu's in the building. You guys know, all my Chicago sports fans, you know what Jose Abreu does to the baseball in the month of fucking – I mean, the month of, yes, August for sure – Jose Bray is just that deal anyway. He's just a great hitter. And <laughs> he kind of even laughed and chuckled when the media asked him about whether August was his favorite month to hit. But I thought it was a fair question because if you look at his numbers in his career, that man, his numbers are sick in the month of August. It's almost like when the weather is like his hottest, my man, he, he he's ready to go. <laughs> yeah, man, he's ready to get it going on, man. And you're right, this month of August, is what he do best. So <laughs> be going this hot streak as he usually do. Ooh, man, he can take over some games, man. And um, that just bode well for the team, man. Chicago White Sox said he can carry. Well, because they were asking him, like, you know, what is it about this month? And, and my man, he was honest. He was just like, dude, he said, my body always feels good this time of month. So that's good to know. That it's good to hear that he's feeling good. He's healthy. 
That's yep. great. Very good to hear that, Perez. And we can know right now he's betting around 300. We're going to see the average bounce up pretty high in the month of August. <laughs> mm-hmm. But honestly, we need it. We need every bit of what Jose is going to be able to bring to the table here this month. As I mentioned, we're still in the hunt here. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this ball club responds down the stretch. Because, look, we got a lot of prideful people on this team. Got a lot of talent. Despite my comments about the manager, I still believe in this team. But it's time that we start seeing these guys turn up the heat a little bit. So as I mentioned earlier, I just need this team to wake up. That's it. Just give me some energy. Let's go. Yes, sir. No excuses. Just go out there and ball. All right, let's talk about your Chicago Cubs, man, because we saw heading into the trade deadline. You had Wilson Contreras out there uh, crying every two seconds when they when they showed him <laughs> out there because he thought that he was getting traded out of town. Ian Happ was, you know, talking about how meaningful it's been for him to play at Wrigley. These guys thought they were getting traded out of town. I wanted to get your thoughts on the fact that both of these guys stayed members of the Chicago Cubs. It just shows you that the value of these two probably not as high as what the Cubs thought, you know, because it's hard to trade you when you want so much in return, right, Perez? You know right. that. Cubs asking for a lot for these two guys, and the rest of the league was like, hey, hey, wait a minute now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I understand some good things going on with Hap, right? I understand some good things going on with Contreras, you know, but there's some things about, I will even go this far with Contreras, that maybe some teams probably like, you know what, ah, he's a nice guy, we like him. He can get a nice little arm in the catch spot, whatever. But the thing about him is that, hey, he's an offensive guy. And two, he doesn't always control the game as far as no helping the pitches right thrive. So that's something he still has to work on. But he can hit. So his value wasn't as high to some of these people out, outside press as they are to the Chicago organization. So, and you can't make a trade that way if you want so much in return. And I think I want, I'm, I want to piggyback on something you said right there because you're right. You got to have two parties <laughs> to make a trade. And I think what we saw here with this trade deadline, especially in the situation with the Cubs, is some teams were rational this time around. They yeah. weren't just going to throw away all their prospects. I guarantee you the Cubs had some top prospects that they wanted for both of those guys. They didn't nice. get the deals that they wanted, and they said, well, fuck it, we'll keep these guys. My <laughs> whole thing was it has to be a crazy time for a guy like Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ not knowing where your future is, not knowing if you're going to be in the place that you call home. That's got to be tough yeah. for these guys. I know a lot of people say, oh, they're pros. Like, it, it comes with the territory. But they're human, too, at the same day, at the same time. You know what I mean? Absolutely, Perez. And that's, you hit a good point about that human side of because if it takes an emotional toll on you at some point, you know you're not going to be here. We're hearing a lot about you're going to be traded. And then, you know, all of a sudden it doesn't happen. It's like, whoa, it's a relief, of course. But, man, that whole fiasco is like, jeez, because you could have got this part of it right, man. The way you all played this out just wasn't a good look, Perez. It really wasn't. Nope. Now, you guys traded David Robinson. I thought you guys got a decent like decent haul back for him. Hey, David Robinson's been dealing, so that was good there. But I wanted to, to talk to you about the future now of these two. So Ian Happ, he's still got another year of team control there. So, you know, there's still potential that maybe he gets moved, you know, next season at the deadline or something. But Wilson Contreras. He's going to be a free agent that season's in. What's your prediction there when it comes to Wilson Contreras? Do you think that the, the do you think that the Cubs sign him to a qualified offer, or do you think that he just signs with another team? I think Contreras going to sign with another team. I think the Cubs are kind of like letting it be known right now 
that he's not part of the future, right? Because we heard about the trade thing that we talked about before, Perez. But at this point, it's like, hey, they're looking to move on from him. And they don't want to hold this guy back, right? So I still don't see him on the team going forward after when his contract comes. Oh, they do get some draft compensation if he does turn down that qualifying offer. But right. this is my thing. Now, if he decides to leave, the Cubs get nothing for him except for that draft comp. So my thing was I've wished that Horian would have been more – Apt to get you guys something in return if you're just going to lose the guy for nothing, potentially. So, I don't know. I went through that, Chris. I thought they should have traded him last year, right? When the whole fire sale went on, you and I talked through, right? Like, hey, you could have got rid of him then, but the value of your players sometimes can go down, Perez, and people can see that, okay, now midseason, do you want to rent a guy and lose that much? And sometimes some teams are, like you said, a little more responsible now than want to make these moves. So, you got to look at the fact that the Cubs probably should have done this last season than this year. Yeah, because you're right, because he would have been a rental for a team potentially. So, yeah, that's that's a good point. David Bodie, I mean, you and I on our on our, on our our TikTok, we paid homage to that Grand Slam walk-off that he had back in, was that, what year was that, 2018, I believe it was. And my man David Bodie, now he got optioned down to AAA. It's crazy <laughs> how time just, like, isn't kind to people out here in these streets because this man was a hero a couple seasons ago. Now he's down in the minors. Yeah, man, Perez, you're right. It shows it shows you how quickly things change. Change, um, you know, in the MLB. And for Bodie, it's like time kind of like passes him by. He got injured, you know, that already Perez. What happened there? And then it's a crowded out infield now that's going on with magical back and everything else. So it's like how much opportunity you're going to have for David Bodie to play. So it's like things have changed, man. So now he's going on that path. You can see that now. It's probably not part of the future, as you can see. Well, no, I mean, your future is guys like Nico Horner and, and Patrick Wisdom, even right. though I always joke about his age. But <laughs> your boy Christopher Morrell, like, you know what I'm saying? You have a lot of guys. That infield is crowded. Yep. And you mentioned the fact that Magic was coming back. And you know that the team wants to get him cons consistent playing time. So, yeah, it's just David Bodia happened to be the odd man out, man. Yeah, odd man out, Perez. And, um... Maybe hopefully the Cubs can find a home for him in the future, you know, near future at that. We'll see how that all plays out. But because I know he got a nice little fat little contract he got going on too. He's making some nice little money. So we'll see how the, the Cubs play that out. You know, they might have to eat some of that if they were to trade him, but we'll see. No, yeah, we'll definitely see. But I want to get some some Illini content in here because we haven't talked about the Illini quite a bit. And this was a team that we were very very concerned about going into this offseason. We've already discussed the fact that we're losing so many of the veterans from this past team. We didn't know how the season was going to go. Well, we saw that Brad and his staff have put together a very top-notch recruiting class here in 2022. You and I will be covering this team all season, along with the Illini football team. Very excited about that opportunity. But I wanted to take this opportunity to get into some of our Illini basketball. Sky Clark, who we've been very much happy about. We've been watching him rehab, working his way back from that ACL. He's been putting a lot of work in with Fletch. And we got the news this week that Sky Clark is full go now. And what did Brad Underwood say to everybody ain't done? He says that he's seeing the Sky Clark that he saw two years ago in the court. I can't wait. Ooh-wee. Ain't that exciting news right there, friends? The one or two years ago? Hey, man. <laughs> Hey, we probably in for a treat, baby. Probably. We are in for a treat. Think about this. We haven't seen this kid on the basketball court in a while. 
And most of the things that we saw out of him was him just kind of getting some work going, kind of half speed, three-quarter speed. But now we hear these reports that this kid is back. He said his knee feels great. And that he's been putting in the work all summer. That says a lot about this kid's work ethic. And it says everything there needs to be said about Fletch. I talk about him all the time on this show. He's the Alana secret weapon, man. This guy right here, Fletch, he puts in work. And when Scott Clark made his commitment to the Alana, Fletch was one of the names that he mentioned as a reason why that he one of the reasons why he came here, because he said Fletch was gonna get him right. Well, shit. Scott Clark's a prophet because look at him now, full go, ready to go. And I'm excited, I really am. Man, this is actually good to hear, Press. And actually, this is good for Fletch. I mean, if you don't know Fletch and hear Scott Clark talk about him, that lets you know that, hey, Fletch is that dude. To see how Scott Clark now is <laughs> pretty much at full strength, Press, ready to go, ready to do his thing, man, you got to give Fletch his props on that part of it. So it's like, hey, it's going to be a lot of great things happening with Scott Clark. And um, he's going to, like his wife Perez saying, going to give us a treat for sure. But this is what you want to hear, man. These are the things you want to see come out of that and hear Claire saying, hey, I'm back to normal. Yeah, because A-Dub, they were bringing him along very slowly over the course of the summer. He was doing more catch-and-shoot things, moving without the ball in his hands. He wasn't doing much off the bounce because they were trying to save his knees. But now... Yeah. <laughs> they said only a few possessions at a time, but he's going up and down. And that, that's what I like to hear. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, they went the right route. They, they took the safe route, Perez. They actually um, put his um, health above everything else. And, and now I got him to this point now. So I'm just happy, man. I just hope it continues at this rate. No, for sure. And this is the thing. Everybody that's had some sort of an injury, you know that there's a period of time that you got to get back. ACL injuries, we saw it here in Chicago with Derrick Rose. It took a while for him to get that confidence again. I wish that that organization would have had a a better plan for him to get him back out there on the court, but I digress there. But I like the the Alana. They had a plan of attack here to get Scott right. And I just can't wait for this season. You know, you we, you and I were talking about how excited we we are for the playoffs to kick off for the Chicago Sky. I'm also very excited to see this damn basketball season for the Atlanta kickoff, ain't done Because, brother, I really don't know what to expect from this team, but I'm still excited as fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, for real, I'm really excited too. A good recruiting class, all that stuff. Whereas it's like, man, I just want to see how it all come together, man. Because uh, this team, on paper, looks pretty good. Yeah, I mean, speaking of recruiting class, we got the kid Perrin over there in Europe doing this thing in the FIBA. He hasn't even come over here. He's been performing pretty damn well. And this is a, another get that we got in the 2022 class, a guy that's going to come and help us in that front court, ain't done. And so right now, he's playing for his whole country over there and putting up numbers, 14 and 8 as a pro. I mean, he, I mean, 14 and 8 playing against pros, ain't done, shooting 62% from the field. <laughs> hey, this might be a piece of cake for him, man. <laughs> it make the game may get easier for him. Well, I mean, think about it right now. This guy's playing on the highest of stage. He's playing at this place with pros and future NBA prospects. He's got a talented team that he's on. True. He's surrounded by good players and he's still performing. That bodes well for his prospects coming to the Big Ten. He's playing against pros now. He's gonna look at the Big Ten like this is gonna be something to eat. <laughs> like this is a cupcake walk here, man. I can handle this, you know. So we're not getting no scrub coming over to play. Like you said, for this dude can fly a ball though. 
No, he really can. I'm really excited to see how Brad integrates him. I can't wait till he gets over here to Champagne because I know that they're on break for a little bit right now. But I can't wait to see him get integrated in with his teammates. Now, another piece about the recruiting trail, A-Dub, before we get into some of our Bulls content. Marez Johnson, we've talked about him a lot on this show. He committed the 2024 class. His teammate from St. Rita, James Brown. James Brown continues every other day on Twitter. I'm seeing this man get an offer from Duke, getting an offer from North Carolina. He already got an offer from U of I a long time ago. But Marez Johnson, his teammates, got to be his ear every year. Like, bro, we can make some things happen down there in Champaign. They took an unofficial visit to Champaign this week. We already know Marez is locked in. He can't wait to get there. But I love seeing James Brown in that Illini uniform, bro. I saw him and Marez. They were taking pictures, doing a little promo stuff. And it just felt good to see them coming. It felt good seeing them there. Also, A-Dub, James Brown's going to be taking his own official visit in November to campus. And so while you hear names like Duke and North Carolina hitting him up, Michigan State, a lot of a lot of our nation was a little worried. They're like, ooh, he got a Duke off. But listen, I guarantee you we end up in that top five whenever this kid announces. Absolutely, Chris. It just shows that he has interest in the line now, which is good, right? That's already the plus. And you're going back down it again. And then two, well, Duke ain't got Coach K, you know? There's another thing out there, right? Another um, point of view there. But it's like, hey, the line is a good destination to go to as you, that people have been seeing, Chris. And that's one more pleased with happy about, man, is the fact that people are looking at Illinois differently than they have probably years in the past, right? Yeah, no, it's a different vibe because in the past, we saw top prospect after top prospect before Brad got here. Look at the Alana. I'm like, no, I'm good. Well, Io came here. Io gave us a chance. And that's something I'll always be grateful for Io for giving the Alana a chance for putting this team on the map. And it's because of Io that the program is in the position that it's in today. Because now you have a guy like Marez Johnson, who's a top 50 player, who is already locked in. He's a the kid was a sophomore when he committed to the Alana. That goes right. to show you how committed and locked in he is. Now, James Brown, on the other hand, is still being deliberate about his decision because he's a national prospect. When you get right. offers from a Duke of the North Carolina, hey, <laughs> they ain't <laughs> offering everybody no scholarship. No, not at all, bro. That makes a difference, too. And so when I look at this situation with James Brown, I get even more excited not only for the Illini potential in the future, but as a St. Rita alum, the type of talent that this St. Rita team got, you have two juniors down on this team, and Marez and James, and Noyes, the transfer from Lamont. In addition to the fact that St. Rita was already loaded anyway last year. Yeah. Oh, oh, man, brother. I I'm excited. Listen, I'm excited about a lot on this. You're going to keep hearing me say that. I am so <laughs> fired up for basketball. We got so much good basketball going down in this city, this state A-dub. Mercy. Yeah, we got a lot going on, man. It's salute to say, Rita, man, for that load of talent they got. So they got to give props what props are due, Perez. But you're right, man. You got to be happy for Illinois. It's a lot going on in this state, man, when it comes down to talent. And um, I'm pleased with what we got. Yes, sir. All right, man, on to the Bulls, a dub. So with our Chicago <laughs> Bulls, you know, I I'm really – all that you're going to notice the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking excited for the start of the NBA season because – the playoffs left me with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth, ain't dub. But I feel like this team has a lot of unfinished business, bro. And seeing the videos of those guys 
in LA coming together, playing with each other, bro. I was like, I, I walked away from that like, hey, Dub, this team, they fucking get it, bro. They do get it, man. And getting that chemistry press is, is also important. We always talk about the chemistry. You don't want to be 20, 30 games in talking about getting chemistry together. The fact that you're working out together, getting to know each other a lot better, all that stuff, press on the intangible side of it, it helps when you all start playing together as well. So they're doing both, building with each other, pushing each other. That's how you get the team to operate together. So become a one team, whole team. I mean, so you got to think about it, right? And I've talked about this in the past with DeMar DeRozan. He's put Patrick Williams through his grueling workouts that he got from Kobe Bryant. But the fact that we're seeing that leadership from DeMar, getting everybody together out there in L.A., DeMar's pulling up. Zach Levine's out there with the crew. Pat Will, who I had the pleasure of sitting down and talking with at the Chicago Sky game, and he was saying how he was looking forward to the challenge of the season. And A-Dub, he and I had a little quick little joke. I was joking with him about DeMar DeRosa's footwork. I was like, boy, that, that footwork is mean and nasty, huh? He was like, shit, you telling me I had to guard his ass in practice all season. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny, though. But you know what? He ain't lying, though, man. Like, man, he gets into the seat every day. Every day. But my point is, though, you got P. Will that's taking in and soaking in that knowledge. Alex yeah. Caruso, we already know. The guy won a championship. He's there. Io's there. They even said Vooch and Dale Terrier in California. So this is my thing. You have over half of the roster that come together and they put in that work. And I've been hearing a lot of fucking stories about they say Io is having an incredible offseason. Mm. Man, hey, look, Perez, I like what they're doing together, man. This is what you want to hear from a team. And DeMar DeRozan leading the way, Perez, I've just been impressed with him overall. His time in Chicago has impressed me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's been – and it's not just the stuff on the court. Right. We talked about it last year when Io's jersey went up to the Raptors. And DeMar DeRozan made that drive to go down to Champaign for his rookie teammate. When I saw that, I was like, Shh, I don't need to see nothing else. <laughs> right. I'm like, what a guy. On his off day, you drive two hours to Champaign, Illinois? Lamar ain't even – I mean, DeMar ain't even from here, ain't done. That said all I need to say. The guy's a great guy. I'm going to take the basketball out of him. We already know what he can do on the court. But he's a great guy, man, first and foremost. He is. Yep. And we said a lot about his leadership that we see in Perez. Um, all season said a lot about him. And I'm actually happy for Pat Williams as well, because I think Pat Williams is going to be a lot better than he was last season too. So I just see a lot of growth with a lot of these players that's coming on the horizon. Uh, and, and, and it's fair. And I don't know what the fuck Scotty Pippen's talking about. He, he over here <laughs> making his little comments and shit, saying how, you know what I'm saying, he don't think that the team is built for the playoffs. What do you think about that nonsense? Scotty Pippen, he started to turn into that uncle. You're like, all right, man, I'm just going to start ignoring your ass because you said wild-ass shit. I, I think Scotty is, is, is stuck in the 90s, right? Because, I mean, how great that team was. Of course, this Bulls team is not that team. Let's be 100, right? You had MJ on your squad. We ain't got MJ, bro. You had, you know, Dennis Rodman. You had Ku coach. You know what I'm saying? You had, you know, Horace Grant. You had a great squad, a great coach, all that stuff. So you had all the degrees to say, you know, you were a championship team. So when he comes out and make these comments, I'm like, yeah, Scotty, you see what great looks like. I'll give you that. But that's to me, this team right now, is, is, isn't good at all. They, they're very good, man, and um, they're right there. If we see a lot of improvement that Fred's not talking through with so many players, we can be right there in championship contenders with some of these other teams. Well, yeah, because I didn't agree with the fact that he was like, well, yeah, we saw what happened in the playoffs. They they had the injury situation that was going on in the Milwaukee Bucks. They humbled us. Right. And he said, 
that he feel like they fell back into the slot that they've been in for the last 10 to 15 years. I don't agree with that. Hell no. <laughs> I don't agree with that at all. Now, nah. I know that the Bucks, they're going to be strong. The Heat going to be up there, right? The Celtics. We know right. that. I think my only criticism of the team is that we didn't do more in the offseason. I know Drummond and, and, and Goran, those are nice little solid pickups. Right. But I kind of wanted to see a little bit more. That's just me personally. But mm -hmm. if you look at this roster up and down, just look at it, it's a very talented roster. If they can stay healthy, I think they can do some damage. But I don't agree with the fact that they're not built for the playoffs. It's, it's tough to sit here and say that about a team when they had the type of injuries that they were dealing with. You had a Zach Levine that was playing at 70%. Yep. Zach at 70%, Drummond at 70 you don't have Lonzo Ball, right, Chris? You know, that part of the factor, too. So yep. a lot of these things play a, a factor when you talk about playing the playoffs. And I do, I agree with Scott and part of what he said. Milwaukee may have gotten better. Miami Heat, they, they're better because they, they play tough tough defensively, right? And I think he's looking at that part of it as well. And I think you and I give the Bulls fair criticism. We talked about the defensive efforts, right? But to your point, Perez, a lot of defense wasn't quite there due to injuries and other things that happened with this team. So really didn't get the full to this full team and playoff mode when they played, right? It was like we were still on one leg as a team, right, when we were playing. So this year could be different. And to your other point, Perez, this team also learned a lot from the experience against Milwaukee. So, Scotty, hold the brakes, bro. Let's see how it plays out, you know, next year, man, because I think this team is now on the way up. They learn. It's like your Bulls had to learn when y'all was getting beat by Detroit. You know, this team they learned. Ooh, talk that talk, because they had to learn. You're right. They had to learn how to win. They didn't know. She, they right. would, they, they look the Bulls that they lumps. <laughs> you know? Exactly, we took some big ones. Then we friends over the years, man. man. <laughs> so come on, Scotty, just get his teams, give him a chance, bro. Because he's over here clowning them. They were like, "Well, what's it gonna take for them to be elite?" He said, "Kevin Durant." I was like, "Okay, Scotty, I see what you are." <laughs> yeah, you want a great one here, another great one, but don't undermine DeRosa. I still think DeRosa to me, Perez, has shown us that. He can be a superstar, bro. I'm going to call it what it is, man. The way he played last season, that was superstar status. If he give us that same thing this year, Perez, that is going to be even better, bro. So, Scotty, I understand KD would be nice in Chicago, but it may not happen. We got to go what we got. And to the point, yeah, would we all love to have KD in Chicago? I would love it. Yeah. You would love it. But at the same time, the Nets are showing you that they want – to clean out your entire roster if they trade this man. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> they the, want Boston, everything, bro. the Boston Celtics offered Jalen Brown, and they were like, no. So you think about what we would have to give up in a deal. That's exact. That will stop the face that the rest of the league, look, if you want to get the rent, you ain't going to be a playoff team or no championship team. You're probably going to be a playoff team with the rent, but you ain't going to be a championship team because we want all your assets. For we want and we want all them draft picks. <laughs> right. Assets and draft picks. That's going to hurt any franchise. See, the problem, A-Dub, and nobody wants to talk about this, that Rudy Gobert trade, that's what fucked up Kevin Durant's trademark. Point blank. Yeah, it did. When, when they gave up five number ones for Rudy Gobert, I'm not trying to clown Rudy, but come on, man. Five number ones for Rudy? <laughs> right. I don't think, friends, I don't think he worked all that. You know, you asked me. I mean, I like Rudy shot block. I give him credit on that. But I'm like, he ain't shot, no. <laughs> He ain't even baby Shaq. I was like, come on, what are we doing? Yeah, what are and we that's doing? A lot. Nah. But anyway, before we get out of here, man, 
Chicago Bears in training camp, as I talked about earlier. We've been there live on our DeBear Central podcast, on our DeBear Central platform. We'll give you guys all of our observations and, 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 and so forth. So if you guys are tuned in to us there, the Bear Central podcast, check us out. But what we will talk about on today's show is, obviously, guys, audience, you saw what the mayor of Chicago rolled out a proposal, a last-ditch effort, if you will, to save <laughs> <laughs> her face and to keep Chicago, the Chicago Bears in Chicago. I want to get your thoughts on this one, Ada, because when I think about this, I'm like, Obviously, we saw what that was. That was the mayor being able to say, well, I tried everything I could to get them to stay. If they leave, then, you know, that's not on me kind of thing, even though she don't realize that they leave, that's still going to be on her legs. But I heard a dub where there is a group out there in the suburbs that has a petition going on right now related to how Arlington Heights is going to use tax money. And I think that the tax money is how businesses are going to be lured to potentially come to that community, including the Chicago Bears. So that group launched that petition, and they wanted an ordinance passed. And so a lot of people are sitting here looking like, okay, so y'all doing this shit. Y'all trying to fucking muddy up the waters a little bit. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that, because in in addition to what the mayor did with her last-ditch effort, what do you think about the Bears and that potential move now, knowing that now you have this, this group is trying to get an ordinance passed, and we see that the mayor is still trying to put up a little bit of a fight. Yeah, these are some various friends. We never thought it was going to be easy, right, for the bears to make that move. You knew it was going to be something that come along with it, right? Uh, and here's we're here, we're there now, right? We talk about a little bit of that, some roadblocks. But I think the bears, the way they are, how they think, they probably be able to get past it, though. You know, be able to work around that piece of it. But it's not going to stop them from trying to get the answer. They really, they really got on a pursuit to go that direction. So. Whatever comes with it, Perez, the Bears are willing to battle through it. Yeah, but you know what? My thing is that group, I mean, I don't know what their intentions are, if it's like they have good intentions or if they're just trying to be assholes about the situation. But I do agree with the premise behind it because, okay, if the Bears are planning to go to the northwest suburbs, then they shouldn't need subsidies from taxpayers because they're going to make money hand over fist. I agree. So I can understand why that group wants to put an ordinance in place. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. bro, when the Bears, they come out there, bro, just imagine. that That's going to be a cash cow. I mean, it is. look at the money that Jerry Jones is making in Dallas off that state. Yeah. Big time. Big time Jerry. <laughs> a lot of money with that stadium. And the Bears are one of the most profitable names in sports. So... They got TV deals. They got all this kind of stuff. So I understood what this group was trying to put together, but I wonder, though, if that would give the Bears reason to pause, A-Dub, if an ordinance does get passed. You know what, Bryce? It could give them reason to pause, but I think you know how the Bears are. They're kind of savvy, too. They're kind of savvy, right? I'm questioning going to do their due diligence on it and see what they can do differently, right, to try to make it a win-win solution. I don't think the Bears giving up on that, man, after signing their agreement. I think they're going to still try to find a way even through that process. So I got to get the Bears a little bit of credit on that part of it, but I don't think it's going to stop them, man. With that going on, that you also got Lori Lightfoot still happening at it. I think the Bears are like, look, I hear you, but we're going. <laughs> we're moving. <laughs> we're pursuing our interests elsewhere. And whatever comes with it, we're going to tackle it. 
Now, the one thing, though, is they got to get enough signatures. So right now I heard that they got 300 residents that have signed a petition, but they need 550 to get it before the village board. So time is of the essence. We'll see what happens there. But I just wanted to bring that up because I'm just like thinking like, okay, if that happens, we know how the Bears organization, the McCaskey family is. Hey, they're all about, you know, maximizing investment. (laughs) So that's true. If for some reason Arlington Heights does pass something like that, maybe the Chicago situation may be still in play. So like I said, we're we're a long way from figuring this whole thing out, but I looked at that situation that happened this week, and I'm like, ooh, they muddy in the waters right now. Yeah, yeah. I still think that 550, you know, signatures, they're going to get those, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll definitely see that. We'll, We'll definitely see. But my whole thing is, I still think in my heart of hearts, the Bears want to own their own stadium. They want to have a stadium like Dallas and Vegas and L.A. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I think that they'll probably still move forward. This is probably just all semantics, and it'll get figured out. You know what I mean? Exactly. They'll figure it out for us. And, but the thing is, it's, it's a good roadblock, and I hear the people loud and clear, baby. I'm not mad at them. I totally get it. But for those people that want to sit here and put all the blame on Mayor Lightfoot, you got to also put some blame on Rahm Emanuel, and you also got to put some blame on Mayor Daly because True. these are her predecessors that also had their hands in the situation, and they did not properly renovate and vet out this, this situation with Soldier Field. You know what I'm saying? Rahm, in 2019, A-Dub, he wanted to have a Super Bowl in Soldier Field, but how the hell are you going to do that at Soldier <laughs> Field? And we lost 5,000 seats when they renovated the place. Right. Yeah, Perez, you bring up a good point, man. Now you, now you talking some real shit right there, bro. You talk about the history now with our mayors in the past and what they've done. I mean, <laughs> there have been too many cookies in this here, man. Too many people, too many hands in a jar. And in the past, who have done nothing to fix this situation here. So this has been long overdue, Perez. We're just finally here at this point to what the Bears are feeling like they're feeling. It's been an ongoing for many years. No, and, and, and that's a good point. But like I said, man, I... I, I I just know that the mayor, she's just doing her political thing and she's just trying to to gain favor. And my thing is, this situation is already gone. I know what the people are trying to do there at Arlington Heights. And you may yeah. muddy things up. You may get things delayed. But at the end of the day, I think it's inevitable that the bull, that the Bears do move out to Arlington Heights, A-Dub. I do yeah. think that the Chicago Soldier Field situation, mm-hmm. you know, I just think they should have came up with a better plan initially. They should have pulled up the money at the time to put the dome on this thing, and then maybe we wouldn't be in this situation. But by the way that they operated this situation, it left open that window for the Bears to have a reason to start looking around and, and to thinking about what they could do. Exactly. Not to mention, I just talked about how the Chicago Fire and the Chicago Red Stars just had a doubleheader at Soldier Field. They have all these events on that turf. And that's another thing. The Bears not being able to own their own stadium, they don't have say in who is and who isn't able to use that stadium and who's going to be on that field. That's a problem because we know how that Soldier Field turf is a bit. It's one of the, I was going to say, it's one of the worst playing surfaces in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was all facts right there, man. And the Bears watching what's going on, Perez. Like, hey, man, I see what's happening here. It's not what we want. It's not us getting our hands dirty with this year or money in our pocket to that level they want. Um, it's a problem, man. And this has been an ongoing thing, man. And you just now, we're just starting to feel the heat of it. And Lori Lightfoot, I 
credit you for trying, but hey, this was messy from the start. <laughs> it was messy from the beginning, and um, I don't see any way where this team is going to bend over backwards to remain in Chicago. Oh, fair, fair point there. Fair point there. Final segment time. If this city could talk, and this will a dub. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep this one pretty, pretty short and to the point. Right now, you know, these are some, some really tough times in, in our country. You know, we're dealing with a lot as far as division. We're, we're dealing with a lot with our economy. We're dealing with a lot with the gas prices. We're dealing with like just so many different things. And there's people out here that are trying to support families. They're trying to make a way for themselves. And so if this city could talk, it would just really say, be kind to the person next to you. You don't know what people are dealing with. These are some times right now where people are trying to keep their heads above water. Be kind, be thoughtful. Let's stop it with the hatred towards each other. We don't know what other people are dealing with. Everybody uses the buzzwords about mental health, but you gotta practice what you preach. Not just about your mental health, it's about the mental health and wellness of those around you. And this is not just about in your everyday life. This is in the workplace. You don't know what people are dealing with. People are human. So if this city could talk, be kind, be nice to each other. People are dealing with a lot. Yeah, Chris, you hit right on the head, man. People are dealing with a lot, bro. A lot of trauma going on out here that you probably can't see, but it does exist. And you never know how people might respond to you saying something negative or whatever that may be. So got to be careful, man, and be mindful of those things and be kind, like you say. I love that, bro. If this city can talk, it will say, hey, enjoy this month of the summer. Kids are going back to school. Make sure the kids have what they need. You know, the kids are our top priority. They are the future. Let's be all in on these kids, man, as they go back to school and protect them as they go through it. So I applaud every parent who have kids in school, uh, I respect you all, but I will just say, hey, make sure your kids have what they need, make sure they have the resources, and make sure they're prepared for school. Hey, A-Dub, I, I agree with that 100%. And I, for me personally, I want us to do on this platform, at some point this school year, I want to do something where we're giving back to a school or a particular school district. Because, yeah, I know a lot of people focus on going back to school and making sure kids have need what they need. I mean, they, people want to make sure the kids have what they what they need, but a lot of times, A-Dub, these kids need things throughout the school year. And sometimes right. people forget about that part. So I want us on this platform to maybe work with a school or work with a district and try to figure out how we can help them throughout the school year and not just when the kids go back to school. I do agree with that, kids that have their resources, but I think that they need to have their resources throughout the year. Maybe there's a teacher yeah. and a classroom that we can partner up with that we can help them and our audience can be a part of that. So I, I, I like that if the city could talk A-Dub and I think that's something maybe we should develop a plan around that. Let's develop that plan, bro. You know I'm all down for it. Yes, sir. Well, audience, as always, we appreciate your continued support of this platform with Chicago State of Mind. And we are out.
Well, one thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.